Welcome to the Sharing the Heart of the Matter podcast, where we look for inspiration on the journey to discover what matters most. I'm Wynne Leon, and in this episode, I'm with my co-host, Dr. Vicki Atkinson, and we are talking to author and blogger Cheryl Aurelia. Cheryl reads an essay from her book, Grow Damn It, called True Grit, and we talk about what we develop as we grow through life. The ability to get up and dust ourselves off again and again. In her charming and funny way, Cheryl makes us realize that each failure is a delightful opportunity. We talk about how Cheryl found a letter she'd written to her mom, but never delivered. And she found it a few years after her mom passed and felt this reluctance to open it. We touch on that feeling that beckons us to think back to the moment we were before our parents died and the bittersweetness of crossing back to that time. And for each increment of wisdom and perspective we gain, there are many things we also get to lose as we get older. Vicki and I asked Cheryl about the most delightful things she found useful to leave behind in middle age. Cheryl talks about letting go of perfectionism, over-apologizing and over-pleasing, and instead using that space to focus on faith and family. This is a great conversation with Cheryl, a wonderful and authentic writer and essayist. So, of course, we asked what she'll write next, and we talk about a perspective on retirement that we rarely hear about. This is a wonderful episode full of love, laughter, and a little risk. I know you'll love it. Hi, Cheryl. It's so great to have you back. Vicki and I are so excited to talk to you today. Oh, hello, Vicki and Wynn. I'm excited to be here. I so appreciate you inviting me back. I've been looking forward to this for weeks. We love reading you. We love talking to you. This is just so much fun. So I'm hoping that you would be willing to read a chapter from your book, your book, Grow, Damn It, of course. Uh, would you read the True Grit chapter for us? Yeah, I would love to. Okay. Just start right now. Okay. Just start right now. <laughs> okay. True Grit. Um, true Grit. Do not let temporary setbacks become permanent excuses, Angela Duckworth. I'm so mesmerized by the view of the lake, I can't seem to focus on what I'm doing. And believe me, this has dire consequences. Yesterday, I spent two hours working on a new blog. I'm sure it was epic. Apparently, I saved it incorrectly, and it disappeared like dark chocolate and red wine. Total fail. I spent another hour messing around with the history link to no avail. Screw the past. The blog was about memory and how it retires around the same time we do. The irony of losing my memory along with my blog is not lost on me. I just don't find it amusing. <laughs> I remember hosting a dinner party when I was in my mid-40s. There were eight of us sitting around the patio late one evening, sipping wine. We were just discussing an old movie with John Wayne and a snake pit, but none of us could remember the title. That was pre-smartphone era had something to do with sand. It was one word, maybe two. Rhymes with pit. I woke up in the middle of the night yelling, true grit, true grit. I had remembered. Larry thought I was having a nightmare. He started shaking me. Honey, wake up, wake up. I sat straight up in bed. Stop shaking me. I'm having an epiphany, not a bad dream. Open some damn champagne. The point I'm trying to make is memory loss is happening all along. This isn't something new. 
the dinner party was proof. But back then, I knew the information would eventually resurface. Now I think my memories are lying dormant in some inescapable brain pit surrounded by snakes. I'm totally dependent on my cell phone. I wonder if this is slowly changing my ability to memorize information. Uh, Google has become my offsite memory source. What is the fallout from this metaphysical shift? Hold on, I'll Google it. It's called <laughs> nomophobia, the fear of being without your smartphone. And I learned it affects, listen to this, 40% of the population. People afflicted with this phobia become actually dysfunctional when separated from their phones. But I digress. So I closed the damn computer and I told Larry, ditch the sweats, honey. We're going wine tasting and you're buying me a picnic lunch. I gave him the don't mess with me look, which never works. I'm watching the game, he says. The refrigerator is full of food. Walking over to mute the television, I say, I am leaving in 10 minutes with or without you. I rubbed some sunscreen on my face, slapped on some earrings, jeans, baseball hat. Then I stood by the front door, stomping my foot. I'm going. <laughs> He's still lounging on the couch. He takes a minute to size me up and decides a glass of wine might be a amicable solution. Or he likes my tight jeans. I eat too much. Who knows? Eventually, he complies. We reach the top of the hill at Conerte, and he says, where are we going? I'm feeling very generous. I'll let you decide. We land at Cash Creek Winery located off Highway 20. It has a really welcoming venue. The building is circular, made out of wood from an old water tower. We're members there, so they know us. And everything we buy is discounted. Most things are overpriced to begin with, so it's helpful to belong. We're the only customers, and the hostess is generous with the pores. We sit outside with our salami-wrapped cheese sticks. This is what Larry considers a picnic and a glass of wine. I'm whining. I can't believe I lost an entire morning's work. He says, recreate it. I'll never remember it all. And then his favorite line, tough times don't last, tough people do. This is his go-to philosophy for every hardship in life. That makes me feel so much better. I want to <laughs> a little wine in his face, but that would be a waste of good wine. Life rarely goes the way I plan. Most of the time, giving up is not an option. This is where true grit comes into play. Passion and perseverance for long-term goals, as Angela Duckworth notes. And this happens to be the most significant predictor of success for individuals. Not intelligence, not talent or memory, but grit. Grit grows as we age, like our noses and our ears. Every time we pick ourselves off the floor, start again, and it is a testament to this developing skill. Learning to discern between what is necessary and what is optimal allows us to focus on what matters as we age. Persevering after failure is learned behavior, and it's the one damn thing that improves with age. Booyah. Oh my God, failure is not a permanent condition. This must be true or you would not be reading this essay. <laughs> love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. I, I love this is a theme that I find again and again in your book and in your writing. The idea of what we learn along the way to a full life. Mm -hmm. And you highlight that is so well in this piece. Grit grows as we age. And learning to discern what is necessary and what is optional. <laughs> so can you tell me what's inspired you? I mean, you have a great quote there. I mean, do you have? I, I think, you know, it's interesting because this book got put together. 
a year or two ago. And that particular post got written probably two or three years ago. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm kind of putting myself in that mindset. What was I thinking back then? And I, I think I was looking at the idea that we've learned that overspending, uh, poor choices, putting what matters most at the mercy of what is culturally a priority, mm-hmm. our, our title, our power, money, all of that is a huge mistake. And you learn that as you age, right? You see <laughs> that that's not the most important thing in life, but we've picked ourselves off the floor so many times over and over again, because you have to, right? You've kids, you got a job, you have a mortgage. You've learned how to continue to persevere, even under the most dire circumstances. And every time you pick yourself off the floor, you're building that grit. You're building that in yourself and it's becoming stronger and more powerful. And that's the part as we age, that is just so cool. Um, we know how to persevere. We know how to make it. We know, even if we fail, even if something goes wrong, a lot of, uh, problems and interruptions that happen in life, that we're going to get through that life's still going to go on and we're going to be fine. And we have that not, we have that confidence. And I think that makes a huge difference. Yeah. That it's, it's so funny that you say that because my almost eight-year-old daughter, the other day we were driving in the car and she said to me, mama, do you ever make bad choices? (laughs) (laughs) And I, my mind starts going through all the bad choices that I've made (laughs) a lot of them, but these days, you know, I don't make as many and it's sort of highlighting exactly what you're saying that we're making choices. We've picked ourselves up so many times like, well, yeah, I'm not going to, you know, buy those (laughs) jeans that I didn't need anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's interesting too, because we were kind of just talking about this on a microism before this podcast uh, live about podcasting Mm -hmm. and first podcast, how you knew it was going to be something brand new and it maybe wasn't going to be perfect the first time. Right. And you're now at what, 30, 40 podcasts. Episode 30, yes. And you're you're just amazingly better at it. It's the same thing in life, right? We just get better and better at overcoming, at what we're doing, at what's important and what's necessary, right? And what we right. don't actually need and what's optimal. Like mm-hmm. what do you really need to thrive? Yeah. And get better at that. Yeah. Well, and I love how you introduce every chapter with a quote. I love the Angela Duckworth quote at the beginning that it's just so perfect, you know, to the story you tell and the point you make, right? So well, good. She writes all about um, grit. And so she's kind of the expert on it. So you have to go to her if you get a pull. Yeah. <laughs> yes. No, it's so good. So good. Well, so we love all parts of your book, you know, grow, damn it. And it was, it was so hard to pick and choose what things we wanted to ask you about, you know, to tell us more about, but one that really pulled at our heartstrings has to do with your chapter titled the letters. And, you know, we love the story that you tell about the discovery of, you know, something oh, oh, so powerful and poignant related to your mom. And it's, it's something that Wynn and I, as we think about writing to parents that we've lost, that we connect with, and we know that lots of listeners and readers do as well, but we would love for you to tell us more about that story and, and the piece that you wrote that's just so beautiful and so endearing. Oh, tell us about the letters. Oh, the letters. Yeah. Well, I inherited my grandmother's writing desk, which I just love because 
I like to write. <laughs> so I had it kind of redone and it was always in the family room. It was the place where I kind of stashed things when people would come by real quick. And yeah. And during those last kind of final years of my mom's life, things were very hectic. And there was a I was working. I still had maybe I don't three of the four kids were still home and life was busy and confusing. But one of the things my mom instilled in me from early on, I mean, like like the, the 11th commandment, I think I say in the book, is you have to write a thank you note for every gift you ever get. And if you don't, that I mean, there's serious guilt that goes on if I do not. So that last birthday, the she died in June. My birthday was in May. Somehow she managed probably through my sister to get me a gift. And I had sat down and wrote out thank you notes to all my girlfriends that had dropped gifts by. And I really didn't celebrate that year. It was more of a pass by in the night. Hi, have a glass of wine, give you a mm-hmm. so it's a very confusing year. But I wrote all these notes out and I obviously stuck them in this desk and completely <laughs> forgot about them. And June, you know, things happened. Mom passed away. It got even more confusing. But we were doing a remodel uh maybe three years later. And I had to clean out that desk because we were moving it. And I got in there and found these, this whole cubby of letters. And I'm looking at them and I took one to Ann Johnson. I, I was just perplexed and I didn't want to open it. And I, I wasn't sure why, but I, I think I was afraid to like confront that memory of, oh, I wrote that letter when she was still alive, when I still thought she would receive it. And now I'm like visiting this past self with the knowledge that I no longer have a mom. And I, I was yeah. a little tentative about opening up like that wound, right? The opening mm-hmm. the letter was like opening that wound. And mm-hmm. I was very hesitant, but I passed out. I wanted to know what they were for. I assumed it was birthday, passed them out mm-hmm. to all my girlfriends. They all, oh yeah, yeah. It's that birthday present you never wrote me before. <laughs> right. And, um, and then I left moms right in this table here next to me that we're talking and oh. uh, just let it sit there as I'd have my coffee. It was like one of those things staring at you finally opened it. And it was just a sweet note to mom about the birthday gift, but not knowing it's the last note I'd ever write her. Right. And then I think it brought back all those last moments of holding hands, laughing, Mm. last conversation, the last time you really made eye contact. Right. Um, You never know when that's going to be. And that letter was just so shocking because I didn't it would be that last one. Yeah. No. Right. And somehow looking at your own writing and thinking about, you know, that moment and writing to her, it's time you can't get back. And yet by confronting it and reading it, you're also transported back to that time. You know, it's, it's, it's very, it's a very mixed up moment, right? Mm-hmm. All of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's that version of yourself that still yeah. had a mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, we love that so much. And I, I, there were so many nooks and crannies, so many little hiding spots as you wrote about that too. It was sort of like a a scavenger hunt and a piece of furniture, right? You didn't know what you were going to find. Over the years, you have these little, you know, the stamp, the stamp phase where stamping bag lunches and stamping and what am I going to do with all these, you know? (laughs) Right, right. trip a uh, little field trip back in time yeah. <laughs> no that was fun though the parts of yourself that you've shed right you've let go yeah well and it opens up sort of a bigger theme of finding things mm. and you seem to be very good about finding things uh in in the bigger lessons of life what keeps you finding things is it adventure or curiosity risk mm. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I, I've been thinking about that question. And I think what happens a little bit is as our time, or my time, not yours, you both are much younger, my time <laughs> narrows, right? And so does my focus on what matters because you had the little bit of time left or less time left, less time than you've lived already, I suppose. And then your, your focus narrows on the things that matter most, most, right. And, and what you want to still do and what's in that bucket list and what do you want to explore and how is that going to inform your life? And, and what can you do now that maybe you can't do in the seventies and the eighties that, that you want to get, want, want to make happen. So I think, um, I think it really uh, refocuses you on, or at least at this time in my life, this retirement, this age, what are we going to do? Refocuses us on what matters most. So we make a lot of time for our family. Obviously uh, we have a big family and we enjoy that. You look at your faith again in the Hindu faith. Um, the time frame when you have your first grandchild is when you become what they call a forest dweller. And this is the time when you get to go out and find out who you are not the household chores and the raising the kids and all those things you've been doing. This is now your time to go out and discover your faith, who you are and what you love most. And I think in reality, that kind of happened. We retired, we're focused on, you know, who, who are we and what do we love to do? And what do we love yeah. now that we've raised these kids and launched them all? What do we actually love to do together? So we discovered this tandem riding since it kind of combines what Larry loves biking and, um, and at least with me on the back, we could talk a little bit. <laughs> so is that, is that combining what Larry loves biking with what you like to do, which is talking? <laughs> yeah, I think it, yeah, it works perfectly. Exploring, traveling. We both yeah. have a lot of similar interests and I think we're just trying to combine those all right now when we physically can. One of the first things we wanted to do was walk the Camino de Santiago, mm -hmm. um, from France into Spain. And we were lucky enough to be able to do uh, a portion of that trail. But again, you don't know what you can do until you get out there and try it. And yeah. uh, that that's always that, that kind of fear, like we're going to get there and it's not going to, we're not going to be able to do it. But so far, yeah, <laughs> tough spots, but I love it. And I love the forest dweller, mm -hmm. you know, kind of uh, piece of knowledge that you've shared. That's beautiful, right? Time to yeah. go forth and explore and yeah. And as it, as is that thought that you just said, which is our finiteness mm -hmm. leads you to circle back on family and faith, um, and and prioritize those the things that they give you hope, yeah. right? Yeah, give you hope and, yeah. and keeps you inspired and keeps you feeling young. Um, yeah, when yeah. You look at that whole Hindu. There's four squares: you're the child, the student, mm -hmm. the married person, and then the forest dweller, and mm -hmm. It's like, oh, shoot, I'm in that final square. I better <laughs> this out, right? <laughs> yes, but the possibilities are limitless when you're yeah. there, right? Yes. yes. It, it could be anything. Mm -hmm. I love that. But, and, and this sort of dovetails nicely into another essay that I love, uh, <laughs> 10 Misconceptions About Middle Age. <laughs> yes. Oh, so good. So we, good. We love all of these. Yes. Yes. Because you have, um, it, you know, there's a lot of losing the things that don't serve us that also happens as that process. So you're you're finding the things that really give us hope and you're losing the things that we don't need anymore. It's, it's, it's free, right? 
I can't believe that there isn't anyone on this planet that doesn't find you utterly charming, Cheryl. <laughs> I agree. That was Cheryl shocking lost, to but me. I'm not naming any names. <laughs> yeah. But, believe, you know, one of the things that we you know, mentioned losing is we don't have, everybody doesn't have to like us, right? Oh, and yeah. so I, I totally see why we don't have to carry that weight as mm -hmm. we're climbing. That and your list of misconceptions really speaks to that authenticity and loving ourselves. So tell us more about things, beliefs, stories that you've given up on this journey. Mm, yeah, I think I, I, I tend to be a people pleaser. That's my, my personality. And I think one of the things I've learned as I've aged up is to just step back a little bit and not worry so much about over-explaining myself, apologizing when you don't need to. Do you know mm -hmm. how you do that? Mm -hmm. Somebody says something, you know, oh, I'm sorry. You don't need to say I'm sorry. They just made a statement. And over-apologizing, over-pleasing, worried that you're letting someone down, other people's expectations. Those are things that you can let go because you really need to be focused on what are your expectations for yourself right now? Um, perfectionism. You wanted everything to look right. The house needed to be the da, 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 da. And then you get to this point, you realize we wouldn't do anything if we waited till it was perfect, right? We wouldn't light those beautiful candles that we've been saving for 10 years. We wouldn't have right. people over with the couch dirty. We wouldn't, you just have to, you learn over and over. You have the most fun by just allowing yourself to be who you are authentically. Let people see the, the real you because it doesn't intimidate people when you're not perfect, right? <laughs> I'd rather come in and see that stack of laundry on your table and think, oh, she actually has to do laundry, right? <laughs> I think I gave up perfectionism to some degree and over-explaining, apologizing. I really think it's a time in my life where I get to explore um, what I believe and not what I've been told. Mm -hmm. Your faith yeah. even is informed by what you've been told. And mm -hmm. now you can kind of look at it what does, what does faith mean to me? What do I actually believe in? Um, and what, what, how does that, that, how is that opposed to what I've been told mm -hmm. and to take some time to, to look at that, because I think what you believe in and what you hold as valuable, uh, informs your life in a way that is pretty significant. So if you mm -hmm. haven't identified the things that you value the most and the things that you hold in faith, it, it doesn't allow you to make the best decisions moving forward. Mm -hmm. So it's a good time to, to sit back and think again, not what I've been told, not what's been handed down, not what's been memorized, but yeah. what do I actually feel in my heart and what, how do I want to conduct myself in this mm -hmm. life? And I think yeah. uh, this is a good time for that. And letting the, the, the post does have a lot of silly things like belly fat and, <laughs> Uh, napping and all these kind of things, these, these um, rumors or ideas about middle age that younger people might hold, or even maybe older people looking back and it would just kind of de debunk that whole thing. Right? Yeah. Right. No, and I you was... do that so beautifully with so much humor. I have to tell you that, you know, for our listeners, number 11, if you don't have Cheryl's book, you need to buy it just so that you can read number 11 on page 52 that has to do with Lululemon, 
Right. Oh. And that, that whole idea of like, you know, we're not worthy. We need to look a certain way there. There are throughout your book, there are some really beautiful messages, woman to woman, not to exclude the men, but there's some beautiful messages about just loving ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yes. But that, that one, it made me chuckle having right. been to a few Lululemon stores with my svelte young daughter who has no body fat. None, I swear. <laughs> yeah. Right. Take Lululemon in all sizes. So we can, they'd figure sizes for us so we can wear it too. Absolutely. So much humor, right? Right. Right. And, and well, how does writing figure into the, to figuring out what you believe and figuring out what's true in your heart? I I think I'm a lot like uh, how you write um, when, because you've mentioned before that you start and you don't know where it's going to go. (laughs) And that's what, like, I started last week's blog with strapping my feet into the pedals or clipping the pedals. And I realized when I started writing that out, because that was like the most significant thing that I worried about all week was clipping (laughs) into those pedals. And I thought, oh, you, I'm always resistant to new things. Mm -hmm. Always. And I, and I, I think the minute I feel that is a really good indicator to stop and look at what I'm being resistant to. Yeah. And I find out over and over again that once I dive in and try it, that I enjoy it. And so it's kind of led me down that path of what are all these things that you, you were really worried about resistant to trying, and they ended up being fabulous for you. And they, and then that not only that, but they were a stepping stone to the next Mm -hmm. thing that you were allowed or privileged to do. And I think of, my hands shook when I published my first blog. I thought, oh no, I mean, only my mom and Larry were going to read it, but I was just so nervous. And, and then that blogging led to, you know, doing a book and, and before blogging, I went back to grad school in my forties. Right. I cried all the way home of my first class. I can't do this. But then my, one of the girlfriends in the class said, she said, you, you don't need to get straight A's just pass. Can you just pass? I go, I I can just pass. I think I can do that. (laughs) They don't give you anything but A's in grad school. So that was really insignificant. What she was trying to do was to keep me going forward Mm -hmm. and just, just relax, calm down, just, just pass. You don't have to be perfect. And we hear that again. We see that again, again in this book, but I start with something and I never, ever know where it's where it's going to end. I just start writing. It's, it's that Anne Lamott shitty first draft thing. Mm-hmm. And then I read it and I work it. And then finally I go, ah, that's yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. rest of it will work itself out. Yeah. Right? yeah. And so you get a post and a life lesson out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For myself, because I think right? we do write for ourselves yes. to try to understand our experience and what it means to us. And right. Yeah. So much so. And I think the title of your blog, even living in the gap, mm-hmm. everything goes back to that, right? Everything you just described about not taking that step, because if you don't do that, you don't know what may follow and being in that in-between space, mm-hmm. right? It, the, mm-hmm. It's a, a huge consideration in life. Right, right. Well, I think at this stage in life, that's part of it. Like I can now go back and realize, oh, that led to this, which led to this. And if I never, ever was brave enough to try that one little thing, podcasting, it wouldn't have led to something else. And we see that over and over again. And I think that also is part of the confidence, the grit, you know, that we see 
Yeah. You know, we were just talking to Dr. Stein on the last podcast and he said he had this great phrase. If you have enough confidence in who you are and a door opens, you're more likely to walk through it. Oh yeah. That's so perfect. Right. And now we've kind of gone full circle back to confidence and grit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Finding that hope. Yeah. Developing those things. And his comment about that, the door opening, it it made me think about talking with you today, Cheryl, because the door may not swing open widely. It might just be a gap. Mm -hmm. It might just be that glimmer. Mm -hmm. Right. So we see all of that. Right. It's one big 360 view. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Cheryl, your, your book has been out for five months now. And I think, you know, based on our conversation before we started recording, you've learned a lot about marketing your book and what, how that's so different than writing it. Mm -hmm. You've learned a lot of lessons about just getting out there. And that's a whole thing that takes a lot of confidence as well, isn't it? It's a skill set that doesn't come, I think, naturally to writers because Mm -hmm. we tend to be more introverted or thinkers we don't like people that much. <laughs> so this whole getting out, yeah. talking, podcasting, talking to people, trying to kind of push your book is just so foreign. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, again, I can't imagine it's not a good thing in the long run. Uh, it expands our abilities. It expands mm-hmm. our confidence. Uh, maybe, maybe that little gap in that next door, you're going to shove it open with your foot because you're like, Oh, I walked in through that one the other day and it worked out. Okay. Yeah. So so the things I noticed, the things I tend to avoid, like the first time when, when you said, Oh, maybe you do a a podcast. And I thought, well, (laughs) I just won't respond to that. (laughs) (laughs) Not knowing you were kind of this bulldog about things. (laughs) Okay. When are we going to actually do it? And so once I did one, I thought, oh, this is kind of fun. Well, I think you make it so much fun and you and uh, you yes. provide this environment that's really comfortable and relaxing. So then this random person on LinkedIn asked me the other day to do a podcast, which my first response was, uh, let's just ignore that. And then I thought, no, 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 you clipped in on that bike. Mm-hmm. Yes, you did. Every opportunity. So I've been trying really hard to say yes. And yeah. I have a Zoom call with her tomorrow to talk about how we would approach it, and what we'll do. But I said yes. And I would have never, ever in a hundred million years said yes, if yeah. I had not done this podcast. Right. And, and that's all, right. yeah. all, all part of marketing your book. Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> No, I but I love that you to talk. <laughs> yes, but I love that that you brought us back to being clipped in. You're clipped in. You are. Mm-hmm. You're ready to ride. Right. Off you go. Right. Yeah. yeah. So you know, I I think when you joked with me when we first uh, scheduled your first podcast, you're like, well, you know, I hope you. Know, and I said I really liked your book, and you're like, great, because <laughs> that's just my first one. <laughs> And oh. I can't tell whether you're joking or what are you writing next? Well, I've been asked that a lot. It's it's like when you have a baby and everybody's like, well, what's the next one? Are you <laughs> kidding me? I'm just getting the hang of this one. I might not have any more of these. But it is. It's a big, big endeavor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you realize that when you get to the end and you actually get the book actually comes to your house, you're like, whoa, that was quite a project. But 
I have thought about it and I'm, and one of the things that I keep coming across with friends, my age is the retirement question, when, where, how, and the fear around, wait a minute, if I don't have a schedule, what am I going to do? My life, I'm going to sit and stare at the television all day. It's my life is just going to be horrible because a big part of our lives is a social aspect of work. Mm -hmm. Uh, The, the, you identify with your job, right? So it's part of your identity. And if you retire from part of your identity, what does that mean, right? Mm-hmm. So um, people have a lot of fear around it. So I thought, oh, it'd be really cool to somehow in a humorous way with story address those very concerns uh, about retirement mm-hmm. and take and try and like spin it a little bit. Like this is what it could look like under different circumstances or under a different uh, attitude, right? And to address some of those fears to maybe put them to rest for some reason, for some people and uh, probably alleviate a little bit of that mystery around it. It is one of those topics that you don't talk about as a couple. I mean, Larry and I got right up to the moment and then we're wake up one morning where we're tired. We (laughs) discussed, what is this gonna look like? What are we gonna do? So I think a book, on retirement uh, or some aspect of that might be, and that sounds super boring. So it's not going to be that title. (laughs) No, it's going to be something like, well, I don't know, but it's going to be good. It would be in a sequence to the first book because it would be stories, I think, continuing on about what we're doing along with addressing some of those fears. It's going to be relaxed, damn it. (laughs) Finally. (laughs) Yeah. And then the subtitle will be, but not too much. Right, <laughs> right, right. Because it's not, not if you're clipped in with Larry. Exactly, <laughs> right. right. But that's the Cheryl specialty, though. I I think there are so many um like seeds you planted, little nuggets, and mm-hmm. grow. Damn it, that I think your readers would be just thrilled to see you pick up and then lift, mm-hmm. you know, into a separate piece just about the retirement journey. Because some couples do it at the same time, some don't. Mm-hmm. Some stay together, some don't. You know, the conflict just, I mean, I think you could do a whole book about humor and conflict and living through it. Mm-hmm. Coffee in the morning and you're not favorite cup and all, right? <laughs> I go walking off with my mug. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, I think spending 24 hours together suddenly when you've had, well, Larry and I have been married almost 40 years, but you've had 40 years of either working his, him and his world, me and mine. And then all of a sudden our worlds combine, <laughs> collide, I should say. And yeah, it can be, it can be a really um, conflicting time. Oh, and yes. managing through that might be an interesting uh, yeah. information for someone. Yes. I remember when my mom, when my dad retired, my mom was doing, um, be part of an organization where uh, one in- native English speaker sat with a table of people that were non-English speakers and just had conversations. Yeah. Sort of encouraged that. And when my dad went to retire, I think the name of that organization was like Table Talk or something like that. Mm-hmm. And when my dad retired, my mom says, he's going to have to get his own table at Table Talk. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's right. right. He's yeah, not I'm coming not into my table. <laughs> oh, oh, 
my gosh, that's so sweet. So you have that, and then you could like come back around and talk to Vicky about how Paul and Vicky negotiate about loading the dishwasher. So we've got like the more, you know, sort of like, I don't know, philanthropic, let's have conversation cafe with non-native speakers or the battles about how the dishwasher gets loaded. Wait a minute. Mm. You guys have been married or more than 40 years? Uh, Paul and, and I will be 42 August 15th. Yeah. And you still oh. haven't settled the dishwasher question? Well, no. And now because of the kitchen remodeling, we have a new dishwasher. So now oh. there's a whole new protocol about how to do it. And clearly I need to go to like tutoring. Yeah, I'm not yeah. worthy. Well, Which actually, maybe that's not so bad. Here, honey, you just do it, right? <laughs> that's funny because my conception of people that have been married as long as you is that they've worked those things out. Now you've kind of blown that out of the water for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Cheryl, I'll cover that chapter for you. Dishwasher hell. Yeah, I love I'll it. do that. Because yeah. people have phobias, certain people, you know what I mean? Mm, have yeah. phobias about the dishwasher. <laughs> and it's it's been a lifelong journey to, to, <laughs> to, to remove that phobia from certain people in my household. So oh, I would love to read that chapter, Vicki. <laughs> well, maybe, yeah, we may have to partner on that a little bit, right? I don't know. It's it's I know it it comes from when I don't mean any disrespect, but it comes from the fact that he's an engineer and I'm not. And, you know, when has this engineering background yet I still love her right <laughs> you're, you're you're not like so rigid uh, oh perhaps I've said too much yeah there's more than one way to load a dishwasher let that be a metaphor for life right oh that could yes. be the title of your ne next book I think or yours or yours yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. or yours really that's a good one I'm see right now next. we've scared win oh look yeah what we did oh no no, nothing scares women. Yeah. Well, given my age, it's oh, unlikely that I'm going to be married for 40 years anyway. Because given that I have to find somebody and then get married. At this, oh. I'm, I'm not saying <laughs> yeah. that I probably, you know, it's probably unlikely. It's just actuarial tables speaking. <laughs> <laughs> back back to know. the math. Yeah. Oh. You're right. No, <laughs> All right. Cheryl, thank you so much to come, yeah. for coming on. We're talking about your book, Grow Damn It, and all the wonderful lessons of losing and finding and finding and losing. We just love you. Oh, I love you too. Thank you for having me. This has been a delight for me. Um, meeting you for the first time, Vicki, and Wynn recoining ourselves again. And it's been lovely. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Our pleasure. Our pleasure. Thank you for listening. Our music is With a Little Help from My Friends by Lennon and McCartney, performed by Carolyn Leon. Please visit our website at sharingtheheartofthematter.com for show notes and more great inspiration. <laughs>